0: To uh, James chapter four, and while you're turning there, for those of you who are um, filling out the sheet, I did not submit an outline to pastors. For, for those of you who are filling it out for your uh, cash for camp, I'll do my best to present my outline to you so you can follow along with it. I try to use a little bit of the sermon format that I was taught in uh, college, and I see our pastor uses something very similar to it, which is um, I'll give a title. You'll give a text as well as, um, and then I'll give you the enumerated points, sub-points, things like that. All right, James chapter 4, and we'll be reading uh, from verses uh, 1 through 11. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot attain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. God's Bound prayer. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Thank you for the message that we received earlier. Lord, please help. Please use me as a vessel, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit move through me. And let it uh, not be uh, myself that speaks, my own wisdom. But let the Holy Spirit speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my message. Is what is the church um as far as what follows now'll just be an introduction. I'll tell you when the uh, okay, when the first point is, but what is the church? something that um I try to discuss with every pastor that I've been under is ask him, okay, what is the purpose of the church? what exactly is it because in many churches and amongst Christians. There is wars, there is fightings, there is discontent. And we look here in the text and we see that comes from lusts. And another thing that contributes to those wars and those fightings is misconceptions about church that have been passed down through our history that we have seen from the medieval times where the church, church, the Catholic church, was used as a political weapon. You had the bishops that would try to maneuver certain kings into power and certain cardinals who even ruled countries like France for a period of time. And the church was a political body. In our own country here, we see it used as a social club or a hobby and a gentleman was once asked, sir, why do you go to church on Sunday? Well, I have nothing better to do. that That's a pretty deep indictment of how that man views church. Church is not a hobby. It's not a social club. Another thing that we saw the church being used as during Prohibition, during the Civil Rights Movement, was as just an entity to do good, an entity to right social wrongs. And alcoholism is, a social, is something that can, is a, a personal lack of discipline and an addiction that can have great social consequence. However, the church was not commissioned to push a political agenda to try to wipe out alcoholism. The racism that I hear about, which our country suffered under in the fifties, sixties, and so on, it was a blight upon our society. However, the church was not put in place only to rectify wrongs like that. If you look in the dictionary, the dictionary, even um, even Webster's uh, eighteen twenty eight dictionary, which we look to for many of the references, I use that as my main reference when looking at biblical passages, it says that the church is a building, a sanctuary. It also can be used in certain um, certain communities as a status symbol. Like, oh, you're the, we, I, I saw it in the old westerns, the pastor should be, should be a man of, Of no ill repute, however, people should not. And our pastor spoke of this this morning in his message when he talked about don't don't uh, confuse the want to the call to serve God with the desire to be famous among men. So that is another thing that must be avoided. And in our definition of a church, we define it as a called-out assembly of saved, regenerate, baptized believers. Now, that is a very good definition, but looking at the definition of the word church does not necessarily tell how this assembly gathered here under this building right now is to view itself. So we must look instead to the Bible in order to see how the church is portrayed. And I found in my study, four main ways that the church is portrayed, what examples that are used of the church. The f- first example is the church is uh, portrayed as a bride. If you look in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, um, it says, Therefore I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that, ye may, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, as far as um, how the church pertains to a bride, I am not yet comfortable discussing that. The ladies, you just had your bridal shower over there the other day, and uh, an observation I made as I drove past, very quickly, um, was that I think Northwest Wisconsin is the only place where I've seen a bridal shower, and there are more pickup trucks there than minivans or small cars. And it was really embarrassing because I saw at least two trucks that were bigger than mine. So I talked to Brenda. We are going to have to rectify that situation. A fund has been set up and that will not happen. <laughs> it most likely will because it'll be a long time before I can afford a truck like that. But the church is portrayed as a bride and that is a very good portrayal because a bride is in waiting and we are waiting to be called home to be with our, with our groom. In heaven. Another way the church is portrayed is it is portrayed as a race, or the Christian life is portrayed as a race, I should say. And whenever we as Christians are running a race, any team or any athletic undertaking is a lot, the athlete has a lot better chance of success if he is a member of a team. Even in an individual sport, That uh, such as track and field, or wrestling, which both of those cases are used by Paul as far as running a race, or we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but of, uh, I'm going to mess up that verse so I won't continue further, but of principalities and powers in high places. So that is another way it is portrayed. It is also portrayed as, and this will be your uh, first point, point number one, as a military unit. And in a military unit, you see that there, in order for the military unit to achieve its goal, there has to be a structure, and there has to be a very clear understanding of the purpose. In a military unit, um, particularly a, what an American military is called a combat unit, Every individual must know something that we call commander's intent. That is the situation that if there is if there's one man left standing, this is what that one man must do. There is, um, let's see the, if I can give an adequate example of this. One of the missions that we went out on, The commander's intent we were given was to scour an enemy area or a certain area and detect any enemy activity across the border. We were right along the Iraq-Syrian border. So that means once we knew that commander's intent, we'd obviously break it down. The commander would say, okay, we're going to send so many vehicles out here. Uh, So-and-so squad is going to they're going to actually have mine rollers going up and down the border there. Um, So-and-so squad, he's going to be up on top of a hill providing overwatch. And another squad, they're going to be in reinforcement. But if something had happened to that squad that was patrolling the border there, okay, well, the mission hasn't been accomplished yet, so you take care of whatever happened. And, okay, someone else step up and check that area make sure there's no until that whole border is thoroughly uh, checked. That is Commander's intent. We have that here in the Bible when we are given the Great Commission. That is, if there is one Christian left on this earth, his command is to go into all the world, uh, preaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, doing whatsoever I have commanded you. That is what we have been uh, given. Now, As far as moving on to point two now, and the one I really want to spend a lot of time focusing on is the church is portrayed as a family. And if you'll look again in James 4, you'll see in chapter 11, you'll see the references, you can find it as a family. It says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. In that chapter, you see, Christians, how we're supposed to speak to one another and about one another. We're not supposed to speak evil, you're supposed to speak amongst ourselves and to other people who are not a part of the church about another church member as, as if they are our brother. And also if you would turn in your Bibles to First Timothy five, and we'll be looking at verse one and two there. It says, Rebuke not an elder. But entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. In that verse, you see that in a family, you have many different age groups. You have the elder men in the church, Um, won't name names, I think you all know who you are, who tend to be the ones with either um, gray hair or no hair. Leaving it, <laughs> the younger men. <laughs> so we're us, particularly myself, being a what would be considered a younger man. We are supposed to treat those men as fathers, and with all the respect that you are to give your father. Now the younger men as brethren. Now that gives a lot of leeway there, because I remember how I treated my brother. That. <laughs> Not sure we all should take the same liberties. Um, the examples being, I'll get to those examples later, but, and then also, we're supposed to treat the elder women as mothers. Now, the elder women, those are tend to be the ones, young, uh, us, us younger men, that when you are with your wife or with your girlfriend, they're the ones coming up to you and telling you exactly how you should be treating your wife and exactly where you messed up, and what <laughs> and what little courtesies you forgot. <laughs> forgot. But, so, just to help you identify who those are. And the younger uh, as sisters, with all purity. And that tells us young men, or tells men, church, how to look at the young ladies in the church, to treat them as your sisters, to defend them, is what I took out of that mostly, and also to look after them. But in a family there, we see we pointed out at least two different age groups there. I'll um, add a little bit of a third one there. If we turn to 1 Corinthians 3, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3. So turn with me there, if you will. It says, And I and I, brethren, should not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are not yet for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? We see in there. We see another group. We see babes. And now the first uh, subpoint under the uh, point, the main point of the family there is that within a church there are uh, there are babies. And some characteristics of babies. Um, what do babies do? I mean, most of us have had experience with them. They make a mess whether it's themselves or with everything around them. That's what babies do. And also babies need constant attention and protection because I'll use my son here as an example, a little son right now he's learning how to crawl and he wants to touch everything. Well, And we have to tell him no quite a bit. There's some things that he needs protection from. Uh, First example, stairs. He needs protection from those. Stairs in themselves, like things that that spiritual babies, per se, would run into. Stairs are something that us older uh, folks, we have no problem. Well, most of us, we don't have any problem with them. They're, they're not necessarily a danger to us. Okay, I came out wrong. But <laughs> they're, they're not as much of a problem for us as they are for a little babies. Is that a little better for y'all? Okay. Now, stairs aren't necessarily a bad thing. Just like some things that people who are new to Christianity or just got saved, there are some things that they shouldn't, that we kind of need to protect them from at first. You don't want to, per se, air out all the dirty laundry that you might have around the baby, because while it's okay, and us who are spiritually stronger can handle it, a baby can't. Another thing, outlets, cords, I'll relate that to technology. There are certain technologies that, much like an outlet, are very powerful, can be used for great things, but to those who don't know how to use them, it's very dangerous. An example, it would not have been wise, and I'm very grateful for my parents to not do this, for my parents to give me, when I was 12, 13 years old, unfeathered access to, um, the internet was just coming out back then, uh, TV. It would have been very unwise for them to give me just, okay, we're going to leave home, watch whatever you want, invite over whoever you want. Now, the Internet and TV are not necessarily bad things. They can be things for, to get great information and knowledge. Yet, younger children, partic- uh, particularly, need to be protected from that. And because it is something that is very powerful, something that has great power to hurt them. And we as a church family need to kind of help out and kind of protect and look after the new spiritual babies. If you've led someone to Christ, and it is something that's very difficult to do, um, I, I don't believe I've led anybody to the Lord in this area. I remember down in Indiana, young men, or even sometimes gals, lead to Christ. You have to constantly check up on them. And in an appropriate way, of course, but you have to, hey, how are you doing? Do you have any questions about um, what we discussed on either Sunday or Wednesday, they need that protection. They need that attention. It has. You can't. Um, a Bible professor gave an example of of um, leading someone to Christ and then never going back to them is like a parent having a baby and never touching it any time after that, just leaving it and abandoning it. So that's what we need to do. Now, the second group of individuals, so sub so point two, I guess, in your outline there, there are children. And children, I'll use that kind of as the group they're uh, talking about there in 1 Timothy 5, or the younger men as brethren. Now, here's some things that are going to happen among children, particularly as they move from the infant and they have other siblings and you put them with other children. Maybe girls don't do this. Boys, fight. That, it just happens. My... uh, I'll give you an example of how my brother and I handled it. Um, Mom and Dad, we we had just been through the tornado. We were building a brand new house. Dad had uh, done everything he could to give Mom her dream house, and Nate and I were helping on it. And about the week before we moved in, we had got all the drywall up. We had just got done painting. Nate and I were up there, and we were waiting for a contractor to come up so we could help him out. That's so what we did. Well, we got into a little bit of a... Disagreement over who was more powerful. I'll just put it at that. So we started fighting. Well, then Nate grabbed a weapon. Well, of course, that is completely unfair. So I, in my own childish thought, I grabbed a weapon. Nate smartly realized hammer beats board and went running. And be it the foolish individual. I, well, he did hit me with that board, by the way. So <laughs> I was justified, but he went running and he decided to hide in mom and dad's room. Well, he didn't get the door all the way shut. So I saw that and I hit that door and we hadn't put in the little stops behind the doors yet. So brand new house hadn't even moved in it yet. There's a hole in the drywall in mom and dad's room. Instantly, the disagreement over who was a more powerful individual was not important anymore because we're both dead. So we decided, okay, okay, it was two weeks ago we hung drywall. We know how to patch. We know how to do this. We got this. Went downstairs, thought we were all smart. We actually did. We got it patched nice and good. It looked perfect. Got the paint all feathered in. He's like, okay, now we have to destroy the evidence. We need to wash off all this drywall and painting equipment so we go downstairs to the basement we start running the sink to leave that stuff soaking in there the contractor comes we forget that we left the sink downstairs running well the individual who installed the sink didn't install it right he didn't screw into the, the studs of the wall he missed so the only thing holding up this tub of a laundry sink is half inch drywall so we're upstairs and all of a sudden we hear a crash we go downstairs, there's water everywhere, the sink is broken, the piping for it is broken, and all the, the drywall behind it is all damaged. There's no getting out of that one. <laughs> so we had to face the music. So Dad, he interrogated us. Why in the world would you do this? Well, we put a hole in the wall in your room. That's it. A- we were grounded for quite a bit. But anyways, as far as that example goes, that's what children are going to do. They're going to, people who are no longer babes in Christ, they're going to fight among their amongst themselves over stupid little things. I mean, even things in class like memory verses and little rivalries, little pettiness will get in the way. And moving on to the third group here, why should I stay on the segment for a little bit? And children, spiritual or physical, one of their characteristics is they do not fully grasp the extent of the harm they can cause. Children don't grasp how much that snide remark to someone in the church can really hurt them. Just like my brother and I did not realize how much damage we would do by trying to cover up the fact that we'd made a mistake. Children are over, can be overconfident in their abilities. They're either overconfident or overcautious. Like, oh, I got this. I know how to handle this situation and completely chew someone out that that's not the way to handle it. Or if they see someone doing something wrong, they'll call them out on something that's petty. Um, For example, uh, I know it's not a big thing, this church, thankfully, um, something like a dress code or expectations with dress. That's something that needs to be handled with the love of Christ and teaching someone to grow. But children don't realize that. And, And children within a church, as in spiritual children... They'll do things, they'll say, well, did you see what so-and-so wear? That's, and this is something I ran into in college a lot, did you see what so-and-so is wearing? She is a, a derogatory term. It's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Slow down. And with all these problems that can be caused within a church by both babies and children, we'll move on to the third group now, and that is the elders, or something as the parents. And they have a huge burden of responsibility on them. Because parents have to see and have, they have to see when someone is doing something wrong. They have to be able to pick up on when someone is making a snide remark and get in the middle of that right away. And it's happened to me here before, so I'm thankful that the uh, the older folks, the elders within this church have done this with me where... I have done something that was inappropriate to someone else, and they have corrected me in a very loving and tender way. And elders, there are individuals within this church who, when I was offended and when I fell away, who came and visited me, who maintained an open relationship, and who loved me and helped me stay on the course for Christ. So this is something that I'm I'm not... uh, I'm not be right, deriding the uh, older folks in this church saying, well, you need to do this. I'm, I'm pointing out a lot of things that have actually been done and that uh, the older folks in this church have done, and I appreciate it. And another thing that I know is very hard for parents is children will lash out at their parents. Um, even I myself, uh, to my physical parents, Oh, you you don't love me. You don't understand what I'm going through. How in the world are you going to do this to me? Why can't I? And you know what? You just don't care. And people who are not spiritually mature will say those exact same things. And it, parents, they have to forgive that. They have to be able to bear the sorrow of abandonment when individuals who these elders have put their entire life into have just seemingly thrown it all away. All those years, all the Sunday school classes, all the, all the visits, all of the taking them on whatever trips an individual might have taken them on, either hunting or to a golf course or out to, out to lunch someplace, driving and chaperoning to many youth events, when all that's thrown away and parent, elders have to realize that the word of God does not return void and that follow the commandment is given in Proverbs, we're training up a child in the way he shall go and when he is old he shall not depart from it. And that's a very heavy burden for elders to bear. But they are able to bear that because they need to be, they need to be, they need to be very spiritually sound. And they got to elders by being very spiritually sound. And another thing that elders must do, and this is also another painful thing that I have witnessed many parents go through, even my own, is preparing children for adulthood. Another illustration I'll give from my own life, a very hard lesson that had to be taught to me as far as accountability and handling money. When I was about uh, 17 years old, I wanted to purchase an old truck from a farmer down the road. And I had just recently, that dad had told me how to set up a checking account. Um, He taught me how to keep track of everything in the ledger. Well, I had gotten a little lazy with that ledger. And it was pretty close. And I thought I had enough money for this truck. So I wrote the check. Well, it ended up being I had about $10 short in my account. And the check bounced. Now, that in itself was very embarrassing for me as a 17-year-old. But where instead of it just being embarrassment, it kind of added to the embarrassment when my dad pulled me aside as soon as he found out about it, thoroughly berated me, told me how why asked me why I had not listened to him, showed me the consequences of it, made me take out the cash of the exact amount, find it, and take it to that individual plus the return check fee which was i To show you how well my father taught me this lesson, I still remember the amount to this day. It was a $25 return check fee. Instead of being a $500 truck, it was a $525 truck, which for a teenager working for at that time $5 an hour, that was pretty darn expensive. But what that taught me is that taught me the importance of being accountable and how my actions will hurt other people if my or my carelessness will hurt other people. And that is something that and I didn't like my dad for that after he drove me to that place, made me hand over the money and apologize for quite a while. Like I was apologizing. No, 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 that's not enough. Keep going. And <laughs> <laughs> but he I mean, it hurt at the time, but it needed to be done. And those within the church also need to know when that, ha- when that needs to happen. Now, as the 3rd uh, subpoint underneath that, looking at the family here mainly as a church, I want to uh, give a little bit of a challenge to folks that are in the general vicinity of my age. I'll make the general vicinity about probably about 15, 20 years older and about 10 years younger. So all around I don't I don't necessarily believe that folks in that age group are would fit the title of elder and uh, I know I don't want to be called an elder yet I'm not a Jehovah's witness so I don't want to be called an elder. So a challenge for us we got to make it easy for our both our physical parents and our spiritual parents. And when I say that is talks about in 1st, uh, well, let me see if I can find it real quick. 1st Corinthians, I believe it's uh, 13. Turn over there to 1st Corinthians 13 and look in verse 11. It says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And also looking back here at the uh, uh, Corinthians three. Let me turn back there. Lost my place there. Paul is kind of. It seems to me here that he's talking kind of with a, a tone of, of. Well, it says here for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, <clears throat> excuse me, envies and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Paul is exhorting these younger individuals who have this envy who have this strife. He's saying, you're acting like kids. You're supposed to be men. That's what he's telling them. And we as um, uh, younger folks, we need to start taking that step and start taking those steps and follow the guidance of the elders to put away the childish things. Put away the Put put away the strife, putting away all the carnalness and divisions. I mean, very simple little things that are not really that important to the spiritual life, spiritual walk. And the last point is take care not to offend your siblings. And the warning for that, look in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. It says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Be very careful not to offend your brothers and sisters in Christ, because once it happens, it is something that is very difficult to reverse. And often you're going to, much as with the illustration I gave the story of my brother and I's stupid little argument escalating into parents never told us exactly, but probably a couple hundred dollars worth of damage. Just that little enemy's in strife, that will cost people. And it'll cost people close to you. And if nothing else, to end this out, just think about that. That last verse there in Proverbs 1819, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. That down let the pastor close it out.